the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial wealth. Here we explore strategies, strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, be join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Isn't spring the best time of the year? Winter is over. The weather is great. The earth has come alive, the grass is green, flowers are brightening up the yard, first the daffodils and the hyacinths, and then soon we'll have the tulips and the irises. Birds are everywhere, but they're bright colors and songs. And I even have to be careful walking around the backyard. Uh, Canadian geese have taken over my backyard. <laughs> One family has set up a nest near the gazebo, so I can't use that. And the family, the other family, is on the other side of the pond. So soon we'll have goslings on the pond. Even, and even the economy seems to be coming alive again. What a change from last year. March and April last year saw the mandated shutdown of our economy with 20 million layoffs in one month. Now everybody is looking forward to the economic recovery and getting out from underneath this uh, COVID and getting back to normal again. With the idea of the new beginning, now's the time to look over our financial life, particularly if we've modified our investment uh, philosophy or portfolio to play it safer uh, during the COVID. 
Now's the time to examine that portfolio and see if we are losing opportunities. Right now, global equities are mostly positive uh, this week with the major equities in the United States and Europe up and also uh, Asia was mixed. In fact, the Standard and & Poor and the Dow Jones Industrial uh, stock indices both set new records this week, uh, thus demonstrating increased investor optimism pegged to the prospect of economic growth amid widespread vaccination campaigns and fresh spending programs in the Biden administration. Uh, presently, vaccinations with uh, the Pfizer uh, BioNTech, that's one uh, uh, vaccine, and also the Moderna, that's another one, and the Johnson & Johnson, uh, that's the third vaccine, are happening at basically 3 million doses per day. That's 90 million vaccinations uh, a month, you know, and figuring that uh, you got the double dose, two doses for immunization, that uh, equates to... Uh, 45 million people being immunized each month, and the pace is increasing uh, with both the production and the vaccinations. Thus far, approximately 35% of uh, the U.S. citizens have been uh, have had one dose, and 20% have had the two doses and are fully immunized. So, uh, what we're seeing is people are getting. you know, optimistic and thinking the war is over, but uh, we're still early in the game, so to speak. We're early in the COVID wars. Uh, With 20% immunization, we've basically gone from being uh, in total retreat six months ago uh, to now holding our own against the COVID. So at best, we're at the end of the beginning. And now we have to go through another two months and uh, uh, more immunizations and uh, protections uh, to get to the beginning of the end. This is kind of like if an analogy of the Second World War, this would basically be the uh, the summer uh, or the uh, uh, Christmas of uh, 1942, uh, where Basically, Stalingrad happened, and uh, we took over North Africa, and the Japanese were defeated in the Battle of Midway. So we're at the beginning, uh, we're at the end of the beginning, not at the end of the end. So we've got a long way to go, and we have to keep our guard up until we get there. Uh, In Europe, Europe has been hampered by serious problems in the availability of their vaccines. And they can't seem to get themselves organized there. They, they went through uh, some sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, agreements and, and selection of vaccines, but they didn't get commitments on delivery. So uh, they're behind us and behind uh, uh, basically China in terms of getting their vaccines out there and getting their people uh, inoculated. And... Uh, it's showing up in terms of uh, them uh, having to go to lockdowns and things of this nature. So in any case, they'll get through it, they'll muddle through it somehow. And uh, the global economy, uh, with uh, the uh, us, China, Asia, uh, and Europe, 
uh, we'll be in good shape by certainly by the end of the year. And uh, hopefully we'll make big progress by the end of the summer. So, of course, even as equities are uh, going up, uh, there's still a lot of volatility. You know, we have the uh, concerns about inflation, you know, and what uh, there's different stories about what inflation is going to do and uh, how it's going to be controlled. And also, right now, we're going through the location of uh, uh, stocks from uh, the growth to value. And uh, so there's turmoil there. And then there's also uh, sometimes there's uh, good news and bad news with regard to the COVID uh, and its restrictions. So in terms of uh, we got the vaccinations going along at a good pace, but then we've got flare-ups in different places. So this week there was a lot of good news regarding the uh, uh, one with the increase in uh, what ads in the uh, uh, you know the uh, help to help wanted ads, and uh, they've gone up dramatically. And we'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, the U.S. service sector, as, as opposed to the manufacturing sector, is charging ahead at full force. That's according to the Institute of Supply Management from their survey of uh, managers in the uh, service sector. And also uh, uh, Market Corporation, they put out a, a purchasing manager survey for the service sector, and they've come to the same conclusion that basically Orders, production, prices uh, are all growing faster than anticipated. Uh, the price is growing faster than anticipated. Is it negative? But hey, that's what's happening as uh, uh, companies are trying to ramp up their uh, supply chains. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to get the, uh, the supply chains moved up. It takes a lot of uh, logistics. It takes a lot of uh, planning. Uh, and we reported last week that the manufacturing sector was also charging ahead. So we're firing on all cylinders now. Uh, factory orders were down a little bit in February, but after that, it, that's following nine consecutive increases. Uh, but uh, still in all, February orders were higher than a year ago uh, for both manufactured uh, durable goods as well as uh, non-durable. And according to the Federal Reserve minutes uh, from uh, March 16th and 17th, the Federal Reserve will keep their uh, rates low until inflation uh, in the labor market uh, attains maximum employment. Inflation reaches 2%, and inflation is forecast to moderately exceed 2% for some time. So, uh, Investors are thinking, well, wait a second, the, the Federal Reserve is going to raise the rates. According to them, they're not. So uh, one of the first things we one of the, uh, things we looked at this week was the JOLTS report. According to the latest information for the Department of Labor, their job openings and labor turnover survey, uh, which is called the JOLTS survey, for February, uh, the recovery in terms of jobs is here right now. U.S. job openings rose to a two-year high in February, led by the gains in some of the industries hardest hit during the pandemic, 
indicating employers are poised to ramp up hiring in the coming months. So this is one of those things that you hear about, but uh, only when it really happens do you suddenly realize that it is happening. So what you're seeing right now is people uh, see the one ad coming, but they don't, uh, they haven't really seen uh, the demand for labor yet. Uh, the employers are saying we can't find uh, skilled labor out there. And that, and uh, the job openings uh, went up uh, the, even before Texas and Mississippi reopened last month. So job, job openings were surging, and they hit a two-year high in February. In February, the number of available positions increased to 7.37 million during the month from an upwardly revised 7.1 in January. Vacancies in healthcare rose to a record high, while openings in accommodation and food services increased to a four-month high. So there's a lot of ads out there. And later on the show, we'll talk about where uh, the ads are. In some industries, service industries like construction, uh, there's more hires than there are ads. Apparently, there's word of mouth that uh, jobs are here and there, and also in the the, uh, um, the restaurant and uh, the uh, hotel business, too. The number of ads are out there, but <clears throat> the number of people that are getting employed are even higher than the number of ads. So uh, a resurgent job market is creating more opportunities at a faster clip than and many in economists and employers expected. Employers are increasingly seeking workers to fill open positions. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. As vaccinations increase and economic activity picks up, <clears throat> while elevated job vacancies suggest strong hiring in the coming months, businesses have said they can't find the workers to fill the open positions as obstacles like uh, Healthcare and uh, health concerns about coming face to face, and in those type of uh, jobs where you're face to face with the public, and also uh, uh, the unemployment benefits, which have been a great boon in terms of saving a lot of people's uh, uh, households, uh, might be a little challenging now too, in the sense that uh, there's expectations that the uh, the uh, job will produce a certain amount of income. Uh, many jobs, many data watchers were caught off guard as improved weather, stimulus, and also a surge in vaccinations uh, boosted the economy. Uh, basically, what we saw last week was that non-farm payrolls increased uh, $916,000. 916,000 positions in March, and that uh, the economists were projecting 660,000 uh, job gain, and they came in at 916,000. So uh, what we're seeing in, in terms of uh, the economy is that there's a lot of surprises, and most of them are good. Uh, one thing we did see uh, was, a, uh, according to the Department of Labor, Unemployment insurance moved up just a little bit. Uh, unemployment claims 
rose to uh, uh, 744,000 uh, last week. They come out with this uh, unemployment claims every week. And uh, workers filing for jobless claims, these are initial jobless claims. These are not the people uh, who have put in their claim already and are going from week to week uh, without finding a job. So the jobless claims rose to 744,000 last week, and it had been going down, but now it came up. But still, the number is not uh, significant in the sense that it only came up uh, 16,000, which is probably in the noise level for this particular uh, data set. So despite the increase, uh, claims still remained at the lowest point since mid-March of last year when the pandemic uh, triggered uh, millions of layoffs. Uh, claims are still well above the weekly average before the COVID hit, and that was about 220,000. So uh, in addition, uh, one of the things, one of the concerns about the, from the investors is that what is going to happen uh, to inflation? And one of the uh, concerns is that if inflation uh, picks up because of all the uh, stimulus money, because uh, 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 consumers are feeling wealthy because of their increased uh, uh, savings account, because they've been they haven't taken their vacations, they haven't gone to restaurants, they've uh, taken their uh, stimulus money and put it into their bank account. So all of these things make the consumer feel flush, uh, plus the businesses are rolling too, and uh, uh, there's a concern that inflation could jump up and cause the Federal Reserve to increase the rates. So one of the things you do is take a look at the minutes of the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee meeting. That happened in March 16th and 17th. <clears throat> and they delay presenting the uh, results for, I think, about a month. <clears throat> so what we're seeing right now is that Federal Reserve officials pointed to a brighter outcome for the economy uh, while agreeing to provide continuing support to ultra-low interest rates and large monthly bond purchases. In other words, I say large, when I say large monthly bond, bond purchases, I'm talking about uh, something in the order of $120 billion a month. Let's, st let's stop here for a second and let's go to the phones. Uh, this is Kim McElwain. Hello. Yeah, Jim? Yes, sir. I, I My question to you is, um, with the, with the U.S. Uh, debt now, and I think it's over $30 trillion, and the current administration talking about another 2 or $3 or more trillion dollars in infrastructure and, and whatever uh, goodies they want to throw in, what, at what point do the rating agencies downgrade our U.S. debt and and, and when, at that point in time, whenever you think it is, do you also think we're going to run into a, a potential uh, sovereign debt issue with these interest rates that will be forced, the, hand, the Fed's hand will be forced at some point because of inflation 
to raise interest rates two to three percent, whatever it ends up being. Um, do, do you, what do you see that as a concern? And, and when do you? Well, how many years out do you think we're, we're at before that happens? I see that as a concern, Jason. Uh, uh, I'm watching this thing and I'm saying, okay, <clears throat> the federal government poured four uh, trillion dollars into the economy last year. So far, we've scored in two trillion. So we got a total of six trillion dollars, and I think everybody agreed that that was necessary. In other words, we basically had an economy that we shut down for two months, and now we had to get it back on track. And we were hoping to get it back on track with the least damage to the people as possible. And I think I think we're they're on the they're on the path to do that. Now, you're asking, I think you're asking about the future. In other words, basically what I'm looking at right now is some sort of a jobs program that's on the table for, uh, I think it's $2.3 trillion, followed by another share uh, program for something above that, $2 trillion, and what whether this all uh, overloads the uh, our ability to finance it is a question. One of the things about the stimulus so far is a lot of the stimulus has been put on the um, borrowing. In other words, we basically borrowed uh, that money, that six trillion dollars that we spent. The Two trillion and more that's coming up, they're going to increase the taxes to pay for that. They're going to increase the um, uh, the corporate taxes from uh, uh, 21% to 28%. They're going to increase the minimum taxes uh, on overseas profits uh, from 12% to 24%. So these numbers are going up tax-wise on corporations are going up dramatically. That's going to affect us. At least they've got a plan to pay for that. Your question, Jason, was what's going to happen to this debt that we have right now? As far as we're concerned right now, it's manageable. In other words, basically, uh, the Secretary of the Treasury and the, and the Chairman of the Federal Reserve said that basically we can handle it. Uh, I'm concerned about it. I hope they can handle it. Uh, if not, what we're going to see in the future is the interest rate for the U.S. securities go up. So that'll either be done by the Federal Reserve or by the federal borrowers, the borrowers with uh, federal debt. So I'm concerned that I don't see any immediate danger probably for the next two years. And then I I don't see... Go ahead. And Jim, you you don't think the the federal agents, I don't know if it's Moody's or whoever, you don't think that we're in danger of them downgrading us uh, as far as our credit worthiness for the country? In, in, no. in the coming near future, okay. No, no, because uh, cause what you're seeing right now is the, uh, the Federal Reserve and the Secretary of the Treasury assuring them 
that uh, they can handle us. And, they, and they're taking a look. Moody's and the rest of them take a look and say, hey, uh, what is the effect of all this borrowing on your interest rates? And so far, it hasn't really affected our, our borrowing capability at all. So I hope that answers your question, Jason. This all right. Thank, Mac- thank you, Jim. You take care. Have a good day now. You too. Jim McAleese, you're listening to Get Rich Show. Stay Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets... With the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Back to Dead Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we have a telephone number you can call us. It's 1 888 281 1110. That's 1 888 281 1110. Give us a call with regard to your questions or your thoughts and stuff like that. Now, Jason uh, gave us a call with regard to hey, are we. Uh, taking on too much debt to the point that uh, perhaps one of the rating agencies will downgrade our debt. Uh, and the guy indicated no, and uh, that we still had more slack before we got into that particular type of problem. And one of the things there is that uh, uh, there is uh, a market for our debt. In other words, if you take a look around the world, but you'll see that uh, Europe is still in the negative uh, interest rate, uh, and so is J- Japan is barely at zero interest rate. So uh, investors around the world are looking for some return on their money, and you can get that return in the U.S. Uh, treasuries. Uh, and just to give more insight to the Fed's thinking on that, uh, we talked about the minutes of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, and uh, they they indicated that the officials pointed to a brighter outlook for the economy, and most agreeing that uh, uh, to provide continuing support to ultra-low interest rates and large monthly bond purchases. So most of the 18 officials at the meeting expected uh, rates to remain pinned near zero, through 2023, 
So you're looking at two more years of the Federal Reserve helping out uh, the economy with regard to these uh, low interest rates. And they also, the 18 officials, uh, express no readiness to reduce the bond purchases. So uh, generally uh, continues on, quote, while generally acknowledging that the medium-term outlook for real GDP growth and in end employment has improved, participants continue to see the uncertainty surrounding that outlook as elevated. Federal officials thought that, quote, current guidance to the federal funds rate and asset purchases were seen serving the economy well. And uh, then he goes on, well, some federal officials uh, uh, said the uh, uh, speedy recovery uh, could drive employment and, and spending up further than anticipated. Most didn't see an oversized risk of inflation becoming a problem. And uh, that's according to the minutes. And according to the Federal Reserve Chairman, economic recovery remains uneven and far from complete, and the path ahead remains uncertain. Uh, he said at a press conference after that meeting a, a month ago, uh, quote, monetary policy will continue to provide uh, support for the economy until the rec recovery is complete. And uh, federal officials echoed that view in the week since then. And, quote, uh, according to the chairman of the uh, uh, Chicago Federal Reserve, uh, Charles Evans, he, quote, policy is likely to hold for some time. And uh, the Dallas uh, Federal uh, Bank, uh, President Robert Kaplan, uh, he was one of four policymakers who anticipated rising interest rates in 2022, and he said that he agrees with the, the stance of policy generally. And uh, he said, "quote There's no, <clears throat> there's reason to be optimistic about the future." Having said that, I would also emphasize that it is my view that we're not out of the out of the woods yet. As of March, there were eight. 8.4 million fewer jobs than in February of 2020 before the pandemic. Uh, inflation has averaged 1.5% over the past decade, and that's below the uh, Federal Reserve 2% target. The Federal Reserve says it won't raise interest rates until the labor market attains maximum employment, inflation reaches 2%, and inflation is forecast to moderately exceed 2% for some time. It won't start scaling back its asset purchases until it sees substantial further progress towards these goals, quote, unquote. So uh, a couple of the federal, according to the minutes, a couple of the federal officials, uh, Federal Reserve officials at the March meeting expressed worry that, quote, highly accommodative financial conditions would lead to excessive risk-taking, and the buildup of financial imbalances, i.e., that's a paraphrase for a bubble in the stock market. Uh, Kaplan, who's from Dallas, the, the president of the Dallas Bank, said Tuesday that the potential for market excesses and imbalance heightens the importance of trimming back the federal policy support 
when the time comes. He said, if it goes too far, you have something of a shock and adjustment or when you're trying to get back to normal, and it could create severe tightening under in the financial conditions, which they don't want. So uh, they want to gradually do that when the time comes. Uh, Jerome Powell said that the Federal Reserve will provide plenty of advance warning on when it will start scaling back its monthly $120 billion of bond purchases. Right now, what the Federal Reserve is doing, well, right now what's happening is the U.S. Treasury is selling uh, Treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds. <coughs> there's, a, there's a good market for it. And uh, they do keep track of, of uh, what happens during those uh, sales of the Treasuries. In other words, basically what happens in the sales of the Treasury is that the uh, U.S. Treasury Department uh, has an auction for so many billions of dollars worth of uh, U.S. Treasuries. And your prime, uh, uh, your, your prime banks uh, step up and they'll put a bid in for those particular bonds and uh, they'll buy the bonds. And uh, basically what we're seeing right now is a uh, subscription rate. In other words, if they put out uh, an auction for $30 billion worth of uh, 10-year bonds, the subscription rate is about 2.4 times uh, the number of bonds that they're uh, putting out there. So they basically, if they're putting out uh, uh, $30 billion, they've got uh, bids a total over 60, let's say $70 billion, uh, for those $30 billion worth of bonds. So there is good demand for those bonds. And uh, <clears throat> what you're seeing is that uh, um, they're, what they're going to do right now, they've been emphasizing um, this, uh, you know, the Treasury is selling the bonds, the Federal Reserve is buying part of those bonds, and uh, in buying those bonds, the Federal Reserve is buying $80 billion worth a month of those bonds. And also another $40 billion a month of mortgage-backed uh, securities from Fannie and Freddie. And uh, uh, what you're going to see soon is a kind of a shifting uh, to, the, to the longer maturity bonds from the short maturity bonds. Right now, they've been emphasizing up to the zero to, to five years, and now they're going to start... Uh, emphasizing a little bit more buying bonds in the uh, 7 to 20-year range. That will basically uh, cause the 7 to 20-year bonds to increase and hence drop the yields on those particular bonds. Okay, so uh, the answer to the, 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 the question about are we getting into trouble the answer is no. Uh, the answer is when will we get into trouble? Uh, the answer is if we keep doing what we're doing in terms of uh, borrowing money, we, we could get into trouble. We're not there yet, and there's no indication that we're close to it. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're, getting, uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
have a caller. Diane gave us a call and she says things pop up that I am clueless about, <laughs> which is the story okay. of my life. I'm the, I'm the same here. <laughs> but she wants to know, can you give her some of the important points of the SECURE Act uh, that was passed maybe uh, last year or so, just, you know, so she has a better understanding of what that is. Okay. Uh, the Secure Act was passed in the, uh, uh, I think it was in the December 2019 uh, period, and uh, it basically did uh, uh, three big things. One, it said you, you don't have to take the required minimum distributions uh, in uh, uh, until you until you're age 72. Remember, it used to be 70 and a half, and everybody was for years hard to figure out where they come up with that number. So they finally changed it to age 72. So you don't have to take your required minimum distributions until you get to the age 72. And then um, previously, they said that uh, uh, you couldn't take, you couldn't buy a IRA, couldn't put your money in an IRA if you exceeded that uh, uh, 72 or, or 70 and a half. Well, now they say that, that they repealed that, and and uh, now you can continue to put money into a traditional IRA, even if you work into your 70 and 80. Uh, but you do need, uh, if you're dealing with an IRA, you realize you've got to keep in mind that you do have to have earned income from that. I mean, you got to have work-related income, so uh, you can't... Uh, be living on uh, just on retirement income and then putting retirement income into the IRA. So um, the other third, the third thing is the stretch IRA was eliminated. In other words, the stretch IRA comes into being if, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. Typically what happens in, in uh, a couple, husband and wife, uh, they, uh, uh, the beneficiary arrangements are, are generally such that if something happens to one of them, the uh, IRAs uh, will go to the surviving spouse. And then uh, if anything happens to the surviving spouse, then they'll go to uh, children uh, or if there are no children, nieces and nephews and stuff like this. So, uh, if it goes to the if the IRA goes from one spouse to the other upon the death of one spouse, there's no problem. The, the surviving spouse just takes the IRA and treats it as their own. You know, they got the same rules. When they get to be 72, they got to start taking money out and stuff like that. Uh, if it goes to the children, 
or nieces and nephews and somebody who's not a spouse, then they they made a dramatic change in the IRA uh, rules because in the old days, uh, they used to have uh, the stretch IRA. In the stretch IRA, let's say you had a, uh, uh, you bequeathed this uh, IRA uh, to a five-year-old, your five-year-old granddaughter. Suddenly, your five-year-old granddaughter is standing there with a billion-dollar, billion-dollar IRA, and they could stretch it out for their lifetime. In other words, they could stretch it out. The five-year-old could stretch it out for another 80 years. And they did have to take required minimum distributions on it, but they were fairly small. Now, anybody that died after, oh, when did they die after, uh, I guess, this this year? I'd have to check on that. Uh, then, uh, oh, in December of uh, 2019, the, the SECURE Act. Anybody that died after the SECURE Act came into effect. Uh, that stretch IRA is no longer there, and it has to be that account for the children or grandchildren or uh, nieces and nephews has to be emptied in 10 years. It can't go on for the life expectancy. So uh, that's one of the, the big changes as far as I was concerned. That was a big money-making, uh, money-saving change for the government. Uh, money costing it um, change for us as investors. So I hope I answered your question, Diane. There are certainly more rules and regulations. Like if, if we're one of those uh, one of those youngsters that received the uh, beneficiary IRA, if they were less than uh, 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 the age of majority, then uh, they would continue under the rule, old rules until they reached the age of majority. And at that point, they would go to that 10-year rule. So there are rules and regulations. Talk to, your, uh, talk to either your lawyer or your accountant. So, uh, But those are the big big things that happen. RMDs don't start until 72. The, uh, you can still buy a IRA no matter how old you are. And the stretch IRA has been eliminated, but the old, the old uh, stretch IRAs have been grandfathered. Okay, if you got any other questions, Diane, give us a call. This is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a number. You give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Uh, this is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, I started the show with uh, uh, a lot of good news. You know, the the uh, uh, number of one ads out there is uh, increasing by the month, and it's way up there. Uh, 
people can get jobs if they if they if they can get over the problems with child care, you know, with regard to the schools. And uh, some people don't want jobs that are facing the public, so to speak. Uh, yeah, there are jobs out there, and there are a lot of them, and there'll be a lot more as this recovery increases. And last week, we talked about what was happening in manufacturing, according to the uh, Institute of Supply Manufacturers. And, and, and the uh, this week, we're going to talk about the uh, the service side of the uh, uh, industry of the sector, and again, according to the Institute of Supply Management. So, what's happened is that uh, each month they go through and they talk to uh, supervisors and executives in the service industries, and they say, "How did this month compare to last month?" in terms of uh, orders, production, backlog, employment, things of this nature, prices paid for products. Uh, how did this month compare to last month? And then they take all that information and grind it together and come up with an index number that if it comes out to 50, that indicates that <clears throat> if the uh, service sector is kind of... Uh, uh, flat, you know, it, it's not going up, not expanding, and it's not contracting. If it's above 50, then it indicates the expansion of the service industries. Uh, for uh, March, they came in at 63.7, which is a hefty number in terms of uh, this particular set of data. And I'll give you some insight into what some of the managers are indicating. And uh, uh, here from the construction people, residential new home construction demand continues to outpace supply, building materials delay, discontinuations, and shortages are beginning to develop. Shipping delays at the LA and Long Beach ports have contributed to longer lead times. Cold weather in Texas has hurt several components of manufacturing for building materials. We have encountered the perfect storm for building material shortages and price increases. <laughs> well, I guess that, that, that's the idea that we know why home prices are going up at 12% uh, annually. Uh, educational services, their comment is uh, there's optimism in higher education that fall uh, semester of 2021 will be near normal with vaccinated students, employees, and staff returning to their roles on campus. Uh, according to finance and insurance, uh, local and national outlook remains positive despite uh, return to work concern, concerns and uh, work from home related uh, issues. Um, professional and the technical services Higher levels of demand related to additional business reopenings and increased activities related to the vaccine distribution. Uh, retail sales outlook remains cautionarily uh, optimistic for the second half of the year as businesses continue to open up and, and uh, projects come online. So uh, wholesale trade 
Overall, there's still delays in import shipments of goods, so the situation has slightly improved. The market forecast in ocean shipments and logistics is still the same as last or next quarter. Improvements might be seen in the third quarter of uh, this year. And COVID-19 issues uh, continue to impact demand and supplies around the globe. And the new stimulus aid is expected to help the economy and lead to an increase in retail spending over the next few years. And if you take a look at the raw data uh, that comes before they get to that benchmark of uh, 50, and this for March it was 60, 63.7, so a lot above, way above 50, uh, 40% of the, of the uh, managers indicated that uh, new orders in March were higher than in uh, February. Production, 42% said production was up in March versus February. Backlog of orders said 17% was higher. New export orders up 18%. Prices paid 52%. Uh, employment, 23%. So basically, everywhere you see, what you're seeing is uh, uh, new orders are growing faster. Employment's growing faster. Uh, the uh, prices are going increasing faster. The backlogs are, backlogs are kind of like uh, about the same. Backlogs and employment are tightly related. If you've got a big backlog, uh, you got to bring in more people to get the backlog worked off before your customers on that backlog disappear. So um, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, from the numbers, uh, the service industries are doing excellent, and uh, uh, there's another group called the Market Group, that uh, Market Corporation. They put out the uh, U.S. Services Purchasing Managers Index, and uh, their comment was, this is the fastest, this is for the service industries, this is the fastest rise in business activity since July of 2014 as new order growth reaches a six-year high. And they indicated that, uh, uh, according to their data, it indicates a substantial increase in business activity across the U.S. service sector, and one was that was the steepest for almost seven years. Contributing to the mark upturn in output was the fastest expansion in new business for six years, Reflecting strengthening client demand, firms also registered a renewed, renewed rise in new export orders. Meanwhile, the, the rates of input costs and output charge uh, inflation reached fresh record highs. So basically, they're, they're paying more for their raw materials and they're bumping up the price uh, to cover it and passing it on to the client. Uh, meanwhile, sentiment among service providers about business in the year ahead improved greatly, helping drive employment growth to a, to a three-month high. So uh, just to give you a summary of what they said, uh, their, their number came in at uh, uh, 60.4 in March versus 59.8 in February. So 
according to Chris Williamson, who is their chief business economist, quote, the recent surge in service sector growth shows no sign of abating, uh, with another impressive performance in March rounding off a quarter in which the PMI survey surveys indicate that the economy grew at an annualized rate of approximately 5%. While consumer demand is rising especially strongly for goods, the survey also now shows a rising activity in the, conserv- in the service sector linked to the vaccine roll- rollout and looser, looser virus containment measures and the fresh injection of stimulus. Financial service growth is also booming, in part reflecting the buoyant housing and equity markets and business spending on services is likely picking up as firms look ahead to better times, resulting in a very broad-based and powerful-looking upturn in the economy. High levels of new business inflows, rising business confidence, and increasing appetite to hire new staff suggest the economy will also see a strong second quarter, especially if the vaccine rollout continues as planned. The biggest concern is inflation, with uh, price gauges hitting new survey highs in March, as demand often exceeded supply for a wide variety of goods and services. So basically, that's the that's the, the things that companies are companies are seeing. Companies are basically seeing that uh, uh, business has picked up. Uh, the uh, uh, their problems are basically boiling down now towards getting their supply chains uh, ramped up, and that's going to involve a lot of planning and a lot of uh, uh, delays and a lot of uh, extra costs. So what you're seeing is, in terms of the, in terms of the producer price index, uh, what companies are paying, uh, you're seeing numbers in the order of 3 and 4% versus the consumer price index, which is about 1.5 or 1.7%. So those numbers are going to seep in uh, sooner or later, and we're going to see uh, the increases in prices. Give you an idea what the Standard Four Five Hundred did this uh, week. It, it came in at uh, four Standard Four Five Hundred index. Uh, Friday came in at four thousand one hundred twenty-eight point eight, and it was up two point seven percent for the week. And uh, it's a matter of the economy is revving up, and uh, basically. Uh, uh, the stocks are revving up too. They expect to see earnings increases in the order of 20% for this quarter. So, uh, this is Jim McAuley. You're listening to Get This Slow Take. Uh, I'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back to Get This Slow. We need to remember that life is good, but to expect troubles as the inevitable part of life. And when it comes, hold your head high, look a squirrely in the eye, and say, I will be bigger than you. You cannot defeat me. Then repeat to yourself the most comforting of all words, this too shall pass. There's a famous fable of an ancient powerful king. The king was prone to periods of great elation when he would make very poor decisions and periods of great despair 
when he would get extremely upset. One of the kingdom's wise men created a ring for the king, a device that would help stop him from getting lost in his high and low moment. The king asked, how does it work? The wise man said, wear the ring as you always and keep it with you always. In times when you need it most, it will show you the answer and you will know what to do. Almost immediately, the, uh, the kingdom was uh, under attack and the king and all his best men rode out to, the, to meet their enemies in the battlefield. They fought for a long time and appeared that they would be defeated. Everything seemed dark and hopeless. Just as the tired king was about to surrender, the ring suddenly shined and caught his attention. Engraved in the ring was an illuminated message, This too shall pass. All of a sudden, the king found new hope, carried the burst of energy from nowhere, and fought back with everything he had and won the battle. The king returned to his city and threw a massive celebration for many days. He was losing, him, losing himself in this great feast. Suddenly, the ring shone again, this, this uh, illuminated message. It said, this too shall pass. These four words woke up the king and returned him to his centered self. He came back to his senses. And isn't it interesting that the king read the message, nothing in the external world changed but his thoughts. That alone changed his whole experience and the eventual outcome. Terrible, catastrophic moments can cause you to be trapped in a negative spiral, and you may lose heart. Only if you read it, remember, this too shall pass. So remember these words until next week, when we meet again, get real slow, and may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.